Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And remember, follow the Twitter handle and social media handle at Sports. That'll get Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify for the podcast. Now, in this week's episode, I'll be talking about the NFL and what's going down there. I will touch on our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will look at the NBA and what's happening with the association. We will touch on the World Series finishing up, and we'll have our best for last. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the show, a very action-packed kind of show. Uh, Stuff is moving live, so we may be getting breaking news all over the place. Um, Just stuff's happening, even even how I was going to enter the show, or rather enter talking about the breaking news in the show, now that's changed. Uh, So we've got breaking news on Odell Beckham, Uh, we've got ever-developing stuff with the Aaron Rodgers situation. We've got ever-developing stuff all over the league. Uh, The NBA is changing by the minute, it feels like. So all kind of stuff is happening around the world of sports. Let's jump right into last night, though. We're going to jump to the Thursday night game. We're not going to spend too much time on it. It was kind of a blowout. Uh, Final score closer than the game played. Final score was 45-30. to It was effectively 45-20. Just got a couple of late late gutsy touchdowns late. Not a whole lot to prove with them. Uh, Garbage time touchdowns. Um... You know, Josh Johnson played well, though. Uh, but I, I want to talk about this game for a multitude of reasons. Um, one, I want to start off with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had to do what he did last night. He couldn't just win the game against the Jets. It wasn't a situation where they could win that game 20-17 to 17 and be like, well, we are moving on. We are, we're moving on. We're just, we're just moving on. You know, good, good win. Um, you know, because the media would look like my God, you 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 basically lost the game against Tennessee, and then you turn around, uh, you can turn around and blow, you know, not blow a game against the Jets, but struggle against the Jets. Um, but no, he came out, um, and he absolutely dominated the game. Now, he, well, he wasn't solo. Naheem Hines with a big run. Jonathan Taylor ran all over them. They ran for like 200 yards basically against the Jets. But Carson Wentz came out there. No big mistakes. Made a couple of beautiful throws. Commanded the offense. Only had four or five incompletions all game. Um, Really looked prepared and ready to go. Now you get a lengthier bye week before they play a tough tough stretch of games, in perfect honesty with you. Um, They need to get, in my opinion, to get to 500, and they'd be in a good spot. Because I think Tennessee's going to pull back with no Derrick Henry. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But Carson Wentz really had to come out there and do what he did yesterday. It couldn't have been an 11 for 20, a buck 65, one touchdown, one pick, and you win because of just the Jets. No, like he came out, and they came out, commanded that offense, dominated that game, checked into a few runs that popped big, checked out of a couple runs and the passes that went well. Um... Even when the Jets started to come back, he answered with a touchdown drive. So, good, great job on the Colts side of things. On the Jets side of things, hey, Zach Wilson, Mike White, 
looks better than you. Josh Johnson came in cold off the bench and looks better than you. Josh Johnson and Mike White in the past two weeks have had better games than Matt, than Zach Wilson has had a season. Mike White with 400 yards and three touchdowns on the Bengals defense that had just annihilated Lamar Jackson. We'll talk about that game in a few minutes. And then Josh Johnson comes in for an injured Mike White and was throwing into the end zone on an open receiver that got tipped. The, the, one of the linebackers made a great play, tipped it, and uh, O'Kara K picked it off. It was throwing into the end zone to get the game down to eight points because he already thrown three touchdowns trying to throw for his fourth. Zach Wilson may be the worst quarterback in the city of New York. Yes, Joe Flacco and Daniel Jones included. And you picked him with the number two overall pick. Look, I like Robert Sala. I think he can coach. Last night, notwithstanding, the Jets defense hasn't been terrible. I think he can coach. I think he needs a couple of drafts, a couple of off seasons to get some free agents, hit on some draft picks, etc. Really build his culture. The players seem to fight hard for him. And like I said, they were down by a lot and was scrapping in that game against the Colts. Like I said, Josh Johnson throwing it to the end zone to get it down to eight with a minute left to try and get the ball back. They were fighting hard for him. Sign of a good coach. But you got a problem. If your number two overall pick is the worst quarterback in your city, including your own backups and including the other team's quarterback. Now, they could always do what the Cardinals did. The Cardinals pivoted. The Cardinals said, look, is that Josh Rosen? We messed up. Pivot, fast, boom, Kyler Murray. Worked out well. So there's a precedent for it. It was unprecededented at the time. It was deemed insane. Like you, how you give a guy 12, 13 starts, et cetera. And then you do it for an unconventional talent like Kyler Murray. It wasn't like it was the 6'5", 230 pound drop back Trevor Lawrence type quarterbacks. It was a five foot nine, 180 pound speed demon at quarterback who had a cannon for an arm, but he was little. Um, who was a possibly a baseball player. You know, it was uh, it was very unconventional what the Cardinals did. Uh, firing Steve Wilkes, trading Josh Rosen, hiring Cliff Kingsbury, drafting Kyler Murray. But it worked out well uh, for Steve Kime, uh, the general manager of the Cardinals. If I'm the Jets, I think about it. I'm going to be in the top five. And I'm going to have an extra pick because of the Seahawks with the Jamal Adams trade. And thanks to Russell Wilson's injury, um, they have a very good chance of finishing third or fourth in that division and not making the playoffs. So I'm going to have a top five pick of my own and a top 16 pick, give or take, 16, 18 pick. Uh, oh, wait, it's 14 playoffs now. So top 16 pick from the Seahawks. I I consider drafting a quarterback because whatever needs you can fill at 16, you can just, you know, you, you can fill it at 16. I consider trading, packing Zach Wilson and a fifth or Zach Wilson and a fourth to possibly pull a second round pick out of Minnesota, out of Houston, out of, you know, one of these teams that may need a quarterback in short order, a young quarterback, and drafting a quarterback at in the top five, a skill player, a position player, then number 16, 17, thanks to Seattle, and then, you know, finishing out the rich team with the draft. Because at this current time, you have the worst quarterback in New York. And if Eli Manning lived there, you'd have an even worse quarterback in New York. I don't think the Zach Wilson thing works. Like I said, I, 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 you can always blame the team idea for Sam Darnold. Because um, we saw when Darnold had support and how much better he looked. But at no point would a backup come in for the Jets and look that much better than Darnold. Mike White went for 400 yards and three touchdowns. 
Josh Johnson had three touchdowns, 200-something yards, and like I said, was throwing it to the end zone to get a fourth touchdown. That wasn't tipped at the line would have a fourth touchdown. Zach Wilson's had multiple four-pick games. Make a decision, Jets. Quickly. But on to some quick recaps of Week 8. Uh, the Saints march on Brady. I don't know what it is about the New Orleans Saints. I don't know what they figured out that the rest of the league has not. Because they're not doing it the old Denver Broncos way, which was hellfire at the middle. And then press man coverage and nobody could breathe. They're not really doing it that way. I don't know what they're doing schematically. But Tom Brady has played four games against the Saints since joining the Patriots. Since joining the Bucks, rather. He's he's old. He's one for three. He did win the playoff game, but not really his fault. He is not really his contributions done that. He's 0-3 in the regular season. His passer rating is considerably down. His yards per game are down. His touchdowns per game are down. His completion percentage is down. His QBR is way down. Um, and honestly, he played bad enough. He didn't play great in the playoff game. Uh, Jared Cook got stripped, and the team was able to run the ball effectively and capitalize on the lack of a Drew Brees arm and Jared Cook's fumble and was able to win the game. It wasn't like Tom Brady went in and shredded it. Um... It wasn't like Tom Brady went in and shredded that defense. It wasn't like they dominated 35-10. to 10. Um, You know, it was a very, very close game. Like, it ultimately came down to Drew Brees just not having it anymore. And Jerry Cook's fumble were the two biggest uh, turning points of that game. And they befuddled him on Sunday. Um, ending in a game-sealing interception, which, for the life of me, I have no idea what Tom Brady was looking at. Um, because it was a quickly just to jump into it it was a two high shell safety uh pj williams had no reason to move and he didn't and chris gowan ran the route right at pj williams and brady threw the ball in pj williams chest there was no reason for brady to throw that pass he threw it ultimately pj williams ran it back and that's what made it 37 uh 36 27 um uh, the game had some costly. It was a costly win for the Saints, obviously, losing Jameis Winston for the season, uh, which I want to thank all of you guys out there uh, for my first ever viral post. Uh, I was on it a day before everybody else. Um, I had, you know, a couple of sources, a couple of people tell me, find out a little information that, you know, one people, one person had ACL. Then you had Ian Rappaport put MCL, uh, MCL out there, MCL damage. And so... Just based on sourcing what I was finding out, I was able to put out there uh, correctly that it was a torn ACL and MCL damage. Uh, so big kudos to all you guys. My first viral post. I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, but back to the game, you know, Jameis lost, you know, torn ACL out for the year. But the Saints have a formula on Brady because Trevor Simeon came in behind him. Uh, the, the Jets, uh, the last Bronco, one of the last Broncos failed experiments at quarterback. Um... And he came in and shredded the Bucks' vaunted defense. They were able to run through the Bucks' defense. Uh, like that, Simeon came in and played well. Outplayed Brady after Jameis's injury. So I don't know what the Saints have figured out about the Bucks, but they clearly like what they're doing, and they um, continue to do so. So kudos to the Saints for figuring that out. Uh, we spoke about this game a little earlier. Um, Jets crash Bengals. I mean. I don't know. I do know, actually. And I picked the Bengals in my Jacks pack. I regret that decision almost immediately when I made it. Um, But when you have a team like the Bengals, 
and it happens to any good team, especially a freshly good team, you know, a newly good team, uh, brand new money, not old money like a New England or a Pittsburgh or, you know, a team like that, but new money where they're finally getting success after the first time in a decade, decade and a half or more. Um, they're prone to ups and downs emotionally and effort wise, not necessarily effort wise, but prone to looking ahead. You know, they had the big Baltimore game where they do come out, crush Baltimore. Then you play the Jets. Then you had a home game against Cleveland. So it's one of those things where this Jets game was sandwiched in the middle of the biggest win in the franchise in a decade and the biggest, you know, the in-state rivalry game with the Browns along with, you know, keeping a division lead. And then right in the middle was a road game against the Jets. I feel like if it was a home game, the Bengals would have won that game. But it was a road game against the Jets, early game, um, you know, even going over one hour, it's still an earlier game. And the Bengals came out defensively and honestly, team-wise, flat. Perfect honest, flat. Um, and they just didn't have the energy uh, required to come out in that game. They ended up being 34-31. Uh, the Jets scored, you know, last and got a two-point conversion with Mike White. Um, but the Bengals came out flat, and it, and it definitely showed. Mike White's jersey is officially in the Canton Hall of Fame, so you can take his grandkids there and 50 years and be like dad's in the hall of fame not really but dad's in the hall of fame because he's the first quarterback ever to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns in a debut um he's the only second the second quarterback ever to throw 400 yards in a debut period joining cam newton um and cam went back to back 400 to start his career um he, i mean it was, one, it was one of those games you know and it's it was sort of like i picked the Bengals to cover i shouldn't have i knew i shouldn't have um but it was even crazier because you knew um, what the possibilities were in that game. And the, the Bengals came out and fell into the trap. Jets win the game, pick up their second win. The Jets have trapped two people. They got the Titans and they've gotten the Bengals. Um, so the Jets are playing hard. As I spoke about earlier, Robert Sala has that team playing hard. Last night, they're throwing into the end zone with a minute left to try and tie the game down 15. I mean, not tie the game, but try and get back in the game down 15, make it interesting on the Colts. So, Robert Sala's got that group playing hard. The Jets have something in a coach. I don't trust their front office. I don't trust their ownership. But they have something in a coach in Robert Sala. Patriots electrify the Chargers. Huge win for the Patriots. One of those, remember I spoke about it. I said, man, if the Patriots have a chance to start rolling the ball downhill. And I, and I spoke about it last week. I said that Jets blowout felt like a buy-in game. It felt like, man, we're just going to keep scoring and keep scoring and keep scoring. Mac Jones had to feel like he was back at Alabama. Um, so did Damian Harris, honestly. But, you know, um, you know, those guys were coming. I say it was one of those games you got to buy in. It was a buy-in game. Um, where it was a game where you can go back in the locker room with Bill Belichick and say, this is what we can do when we're on. Yes, it was the Jets. But this is what we can do offensively, defensively, special teams, coaching, preparation, all that. This is what we can do when you buy in, when you give 110%, and when you're ready to go, you know, at the at the snap, when you're ready to go on Wednesday, you know, you lock in and you give 110% effort, this is what the, it could look like. And so it was huge because when you go on the road cross country to the Chargers. Now, Justin Herbert's worst game as a rookie was against the Patriots. It was an absolute beatdown. I think it was 30 to nothing. Or some similar 35 nothing and something like that in LA because they played both LA teams back to back. They blew out the Chargers and the Rams blew the Patriots out. Um, but that was Justin Herbert's worst game as a Charger. He didn't look much better Sunday. 
Um, the Patriots controlled the game. Time possession, all that went the Patriots' way. Uh, Matt Judon had a good game. And the Patriots really were able to dominate that game. So now looking ahead for them, um, or us, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan, the ball can keep rolling downhill. You've got Carolina. Then you pick up uh, Tennessee with no Derrick Henry. Atlanta's in there, I believe. Um, Atlanta's in there. So the ball can start rolling downhill. I mean, a couple of Buffalo games would be challenging for the Patriots, but you got a lot of winnable games. 10-11 wins are not out of the question. 10-11 wins should get you in the playoffs in the AFC, and that is not out of the question for the New England Patriots. And so uh, it would be huge to see Mac Jones in the playoffs as a rookie, um, especially for the confidence of the fan base, myself included, and the rest of the team to believe in Mac long term. And the Chiefs were almost giant failures. I would have led with this game had the Giants pulled this off. Um, but good teams like the Chiefs find a way to win. Um, and bad teams like the Giants find a way to lose. I feel like it was more the second than the first um, because they had a game-winning interception for the Giants, callback on all sides. Several big plays were called back uh, due to penalties. Uh, and the Chiefs scored 20 points. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' first three years, they were held on the 20 points three times. Uh, this season, they've been held on the 20 points three times. So offensively, they're down. Defensively, they played great, only giving up a 17, um, but they still should have lost the ball game. And so that could be an issue um, going forward in the future. Uh, Giants fans, Daniel Jones not the guy. Um, I don't, I don't like your front office either uh, with Dave Gettleman. So I, I, I'd figure that out. But Daniel Jones not the guy for New York. Figure that out as well. I'd move him, release him, cut him, something him. I don't know, but he wouldn't be a giant after the season. Um, but that is something you definitely have to figure out um, if you're the Giants. But the Chiefs, I don't know what you do. I don't. Because schematically, people have not figured you out, but it looks like they're starting to figure you out. It looks like too high safety is the way to go. Yeah, it keeps Tyree Hill fairly limited. People are bracketing Travis Kelsey. Now Kelsey's out. Um, they pretty much still refused the run. They were running the ball well uh, on Monday night and then decided, you know, we're just going to throw it. We're just going to throw it. Um, we're just going to throw it all over the place. So I don't know. The Chiefs are in a situation where you have to get this figured out because they about to run a gauntlet of a schedule towards the end of their year as well. So they need to figure it out before they come down the home stretch or the Chiefs will be looking on the outside of the playoffs but now into the news that was going crazy i don't even know where to start i guess since this one's still developed or both stories are developing rather so let's start at the top uh odell beckham's time in cleveland is over uh i reported last night that the browns were i reported a few days ago that they were told him to stay home or Justina anderson's on that the first day actually um and then the second day they told him as well stay home when a team starts telling a professional athlete stay home from practice, they're about to part ways. Uh, Monday, it was flooring everywhere. He was going to get traded. Or Tuesday, rather. It was everywhere. He's going to get traded, going to get traded before the deadline. And then the team came out and said no trade has made sense so far. Um, and then Odell's father releases a video, 11-minute video of pretty damning evidence, admittedly, of times where baker didn't throw the ball to odell and odell was wide open um you know and then a few minutes later lebron tweets uh odell's about to show y'all something similar to odell about to show y'all he's still the number one receiver hashtag free obj 
uh, which blew up on Twitter immediately. Um, and then you get to a point where the trade deadline gets closer and closer and closer, and then it comes out. The Browns have no intent of trading Odell Beckham. All right, end of story. All right, we think, okay, they're going to keep him. And then Wednesday, don't come to practice. Okay. Thursday, don't come to practice. And then Wednesday was a media session where it was, well, I already reported it, but um, where the GM, Andrew Barry, and Odell's representation were discussing next steps. Anytime you hear that, that means they're trying to figure out where to part ways amicably. Um, and then Kevin Stefanski said he had not spoken to Odell in 24 hours. Um, Jarvis Landry apparently was blindsided by what's going on. Baker Mayfield was blindsided clearly in his press conference about Odell Dad's video. Um, and so it was just a mess in Cleveland happening. And then last night, I find out, oh, they're planning to release him uh, today. Um, and then it was done. To, it's going to be done today. Uh, officially broke, broke, broke uh, today. Browns officially announced that they are planning to release Odell Beckham after they finished fine-toothed combing the financial arrangement, which is expected to be that he dropped, that they would convert most of his salary into signing bonus, pay him up front $6 million, $7 million out of the remaining 7.75 or something like that that he's owed, uh, 7.25, something like that he's owed, and then reduce it basically down to veteran minimum. And then that way, if someone picks him up off waivers, they only owe him the veteran minimum. And if he goes through free agency, he his offset language kicks in, where whatever they pay him, the Browns owe him less because he can only make up to seven point what two five million, I believe is the number for the rest of the season. So that is a situation going down with Odell. Um, and then of course, when that happens, you start thinking on landing spots. Uh, the first thing that popped out to me was the Patriots. Now, I'm a Patriots fan, but I know what we need, and there's been explosiveness at the receiver position. Uh, Mac Jones had Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and uh, the rest of that crew ready to um, all going all over the place um, when he was at Alabama and was very comfortable doing so. And so Odell in New England would be mind-blowing. Vegas jumped out thanks to the unfortunate Henry Ruggs situation. Um, Chiefs have been trying to find a second receiver opposite Tyreek Hill. Baltimore were trying to find number one receiver since Lamar got there. Um, and then the Rams jumped out fast. Uh, they could, I mean, that'd be the ultimate circus act if they pulled off Odell. He would mention the Rams before as a trade destination when he was looking to be, going to be traded. The Rams jumped out then. Um, and then New Orleans was the last thing that popped in my brain thanks to the fact that New Orleans and KC had, not KC, New Orleans and Cleveland had the most trade discussions and so new orleans is clearly showing an interest so that'll be something that i would look at as well as a possible landing spot for odell um reducing his salary helped his waiver claim because a, a lot of times people was that's the reason why the trade with new orleans fell through was that new orleans couldn't take the eight million dollars on but they could have took the one million dollars on so i'm pretty sure new orleans is pissed this morning because they would have had odell beckham in the building probably in on the field this sunday would have had him in the building on Tuesday or in the building Wednesday, probably got him on the field Sunday in a package or something if um, Cleveland had agreed to do what they do now, which is basically pay Odell to go away. Um, if they would have done that on Tuesday, New Orleans probably has him in the building today. He's on the field Sunday. 
Um, instead, they have to play the waiver claim. Hopefully, it's favorite game. Hopefully, nobody claims him on waivers and then fly him in. Odell may take a tour. If I'm Odell's agent, I tell nobody to pick him up. I just say wait. Because um, he, he probably wants to choose his next location, especially because he's going to want to play well to go into free agency to get a, to get a bag. Um, so if I'm Odell's representation, I tell everybody don't don't claim him. Let him go to free agency, um, and then we'll take the we'll take some tours, some visits Monday and Tuesday, sign on Wednesday, be on the field on Sunday. That's what I would do if I'm Odell. But ever growing situation, if something breaks during the show, of course we'll definitely update you guys and post it. Of course, uh, we'll keep you guys updated on that. To the other big story, Aaron Rodgers, the liar. Um, no real way around this. Um, I'm sure you guys know, but I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown. So over the offseason, of course, what was the question that everybody got asked, especially you, a star? Are you vaccinated? Because people knew, A, vaccinations help people. I mean, that's just, I mean, they, they, I'm not going to go into minutia of that, but they help people. There's all kind of stats showing that vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Vaccinated has a way better chance of getting through this COVID thing than unvaccinated. Um, but, but in regards to football, NFL guidelines, you know, unvaccinated player test positive. He is out for 10 days minimum, regardless of what happens. Vaccinated player test positive. He has to have two positive negative COVID tests 24 hours apart. He's back on the field. Um, you know, that's mass mandates, how press conferences are done. Everything is different. Meetings are done with vaccinated, unvaccinated players. Um, and so every star got asked, are you vaccinated? Are you not vaccinated? Famously, Cole Beasley, unvaccinated. Carson Wentz, unvaccinated. Um, so Aaron Rodgers was asked, are you vaccinated? His response was, I'm immunized. Now, everyone thought, and Rodgers knew everyone would think, oh, Rodgers is just using his education. Rodgers, you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a smug. I know everything. I'm the smartest guy in the room. Oh, he didn't even say the word vaccinated. He said immunized, you know, like, oh, of course, Aaron Rodgers, he got the vaccine. He's good to go. It was reiterated that point was reiterated and reinforced so that thought process reinforced when on the sideline he's maskless at press conferences he's not only doing them in person but he's maskless now if you if you don't want to wear masks to press conference you must do it on zoom um he's been in person like everybody else on the team vaccinated um without a mask in person we see what carson went last night carson went shook one hand last night and you know when the team runs by the hands you the post game hat um that you put on your head they had a mask in it too so he popped the mask on his face before he went to anybody else uh popped the mask on his face popped his hat on and then he went around and did his handshake and stuff like that because that's what you must do as an unvaccinated player um rogers in fact was not vaccinated he uh test positive for covid he's out for 10 days which puts him out until saturday uh, which would be the day before the seahawks game now could rogers get active get in the building Participate in meetings, never see the field, play Sunday, and then play against Seahawks next Sunday and play well? Absolutely. Um, if Jordan Love plays well, though, Sunday, I'm not sure they do that. Uh, we're going to talk about that game a little bit more later, but I'm not sure they do that. But he went to some alternative treatment um, and got antibodies put in his body, etc. But he never went and got the COVID vaccine, so the NFL counted him as an unvaccinated player. Um, he used the phrase immunized. He even went in front of an independent arbitrator to try and get what he did qualified as uh, vaccinated. It was not. The independent arbitrator said, no, you're you're not vaccinated, bro. You just got some special medical treatment, but it's not a vaccination. Um, and so 
ultimately his special treatment didn't work. He still caught COVID, um, which I mean, you can catch COVID on vaccines, but it was even stronger. You know, I mean, he wasn't vaccinated. So he's out for 10 days. Uh, the NFL is in a hell of a spot because one of your top five most recognizable faces blatantly spit in the face of your rule book and basically to do something about it. And so now the NFL has to figure out if they're going to suspend Aaron Rodgers. What is the fines going to be for the Packers? Clearly, they were complicit in the act. And so what are they going to do um, in terms of suspensions, fines, draft picks, all that stuff's on the table. And we will, of course, keep you guys updated on daytime sports, Justin uh, sports, rather, um, as the situation unfolds. Um, Deshaun Watson was not traded. The Dolphins ultimately decided to not pull the trigger. Um, and so that due to the legal issue, the 22 cases showed up, um, the legal issues were there. And so the Dolphins tried to not do it. Um, and Watson will remain a Texan this season as he currently is getting paid to sit at home, not only exempt list, but getting paid to sit at home. Um, he still stands by, he will not play for the Texans ever again. And until the legal issues are cleared up, I don't think the Texans will play him. Um, injury news. Russell Wilson has taken the pin out of his thumb. He's gotten his pin out of his finger, and he'll be ready to go next Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. So, huge news for the Seahawks. They went one and one in his absence. Um, not terrible. They probably would have beat the Saints had he played. Um, they probably would have won the game. Geno Smith came in had he finished. So, they're probably one game. I say one game back from where they should be. We'll see if that game matters. Uh, Derrick Henry has a broken foot. And he's out six to ten weeks. He's had foot surgery already, and the rehab has begun. So uh, six weeks put him right early at the end of the season. Ten weeks puts him in smack dab in the middle of the playoffs. Um, if I had to guess, it's uh, he's a he's a tank. So I would put him at probably week sixteen, week seventeen. He's practicing, and he's on the field for wild card weekend. If I had to guess, um, that would be my guesstimation for Derrick Henry. Um, obviously, things change, so we will definitely keep our eye on that situation. And Vaughn Miller is now a Los Angeles Ram, thanks to a trade from the Denver Broncos for a second and a third round pick. The Broncos needed draft picks, and they got them. Uh, the Rams wanted more star power, they got it. And less need, apparently, is allergic to draft picks. So um, he was able, basically, he sold the two G. The second round pick was for Vaughn Miller, and the third round pick was basically sold to the Broncos for $8 million. Um, because the Broncos have agreed to pay eight out of the eight and a half million dollars of Von Miller's salary um, to the Broncos. I mean, the Rams only paying five hundred grand, which basically they used the eight million dollars to buy uh, the draft pick from the Rams. So that's how that situation went down. But we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna jump into Week Nine of the NFL. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about week nine and what's going down there. We've got some huge games for various reasons. We're going to start off with Browns at Bengals. Um, this game is in my Jack's pack, so we will not pick it. However, um, we will we will discuss it. So this game is huge. Um, obviously, you've got the Browns in absolute turmoil right now. Uh, thanks to the Odell Beckham situation that's being resolved today. But uh, his best friend on the team is Jarvis Landry. 
Baker Mayfield got blindsided by video. The fans seen this video. I mean, this is something that, thanks to the internet, all the fans have seen it. And all the fans have seen their best receiver is now being released. And half the fans are probably saying, we would still have Odell. Odell would be happy camper right now if Baker could hit him with a football. Now, the team, and I'm going to say the team, because I had several people, uh, I talked to several people about this, uh, fans reaching out and stuff like that, about, hey, you know, there was a report on NFL Network, like, right after the video came out, right after the press conference and stuff, that, oh, uh, the Browns run a very timing offense. I forget the young, I forget the young lady's name that did the report, but telling the Browns run a very timing-based offense, and if... You, the ball is thrown to a spot and you need to be in that spot when you're supposed to be there if you're not in that spot the ball will come to you even if it appears you're open you know what that sounded like to me that sounded like kevin stefanski and andrew barry taking the heat off baker because now i'm sure it's the internet age more every week baker has a bad game they're gonna fans it's gonna be a video out of receivers open and baker not hitting them now, I know enough football to know reads matter. So if a guy's 40 yards down the field wide open and he was never the read, the quarterback can never look over there. It's not mad. You can't see the whole field at all times. You do have to go through your reads and your checks. Um, now, Odell's in a situation. Odell's situation was I. there's no way 11 minutes of video is just timing. What was wrong? 11 minutes of video? The timing can't be wrong. So I'm 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 not saying that Baker was intentional at throwing Odell. I, I wouldn't dare accuse Baker of that. I am accusing Baker of not being very good at football. That's what I am accusing Baker of. I've said it for a while. I'm gonna keep saying it. I don't think Baker's good at quarterback. I just I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. He's right-handed to it. I don't I don't get it. I, I I really don't. Um, and even if Odell was a half a beat late. He should still be in your eyesight. You know, like I'm saying, even he, there was plays where Odell was open underneath the route Baker threw covered and then some of that video. Like, I understand what the team did. I would have done it too. I would have put out a blanket statement that just said something along the lines of there's a reason why, da 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 Even though the player appeared to be open, the timing was off, etc. I would have figured something out too. It's a lie. For, 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 for one, it's a lie. Because there's no, even if, like I said, even if he, it was timing, there was clips in that video where Odell was just flat out wide open and Baker threw it five yards short. Odell had a step or two on the defender and Baker hit the defender in the back of the head. Or Odell was crossing the field and Baker threw the ball over Odell's head, clearly over his head. There was no like, oh, it was a couple yards in front. No, the, Odell was in for the one play five yards behind him was the receiver you throw it over odell's head wide open odell to a cover receiver like at a certain point the quarterback's not very good and that's okay it cost you odell beckham that chemistry never worked baker's not that good now you lose odell beckham and you're going at a, a cincinnati team that's pissed big pissed because they shouldn't have lost to the jets they still be number one in the afc and on top of that they not only lost to the Jets, their defense got embarrassed, um, and they're still staring ahead at Cleveland. So this is the game they were staring ahead at, and they're pissed because they got embarrassed. Um, Browns, you're in for one. 
mean, you're in for a fight in, in Cincinnati, but same thing in Cincinnati. Baker's good at nobody believes in us, circle the wagons, whatever, everybody's against us. So I expect Cleveland, those first couple of to come out hot, real hot. Um, and so we're, we're going to see that game. I'm very interested in it. Vikings at Ravens. Um, I'm interested in this game for multitude of reasons. We, we are going to pick this game. It's not in Jack's pack. I got the Ravens winning because good coaches went off the bye. And the Ravens had the bye last week. So I've got the um, I've got the Ravens winning that game. Um, but I'm interested in the game because I, I just spoke about it. Great coaches off byes win games. Period. It's how it's done. John Harbaugh is a great Hall of Fame level coach. He's going to win that game. Period. Um, because he's coming off a bye. The Vikings, however, is going to make it interesting. I stayed away from it in Jack's pack. I didn't love the number. I believe it was six. Um, ESPN.com provided by Caesar Sportsbook. I believe it was six. Um, and I didn't like that number at all. Because I think Minnesota may end up making this a 30 to 24 game, which would be six. Um, and so Minnesota can play. Uh, they've had some heartbreakers. Man, Dallas, heartbreaker. Uh, Cincinnati. Heartbreaker, Arizona, heartbreaker. They win those three games by a combined 13 or so points. Their whole season is different. You know, they lost three games by 13 or so points, and they are looking at three more wins, and they are nipping at Green Bay's heels for the division. And instead, they are not nipping at anyone's heel. They're trying to fight to get in the playoffs uh, at this moment. So, huge game for the Ravens. They're coming off a bye. Last time we seen you was you getting embarrassed by Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, and then the Minnesota Vikings are coming into town after getting embarrassed on national TV by um, Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so two embarrassed teams, one off a bye. Um, I, I got the Ravens winning close. 30-24 feels right. Um, but we're going to definitely check that game out keep our eye on it. The next game we're going to talk about is the failed State Farm Bowl. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers, and your immunizations. Um, the failed State Farm Bowl. So this game, I'm re- ready to talk about this game. So prepared. We're finally going to get the State Farm Bowl. We didn't get it last year in the Super Bowl because Aaron Rodgers' failures. Because um, Tom Brady threw three picks. So Aaron Rodgers scored six points, I think, on the three turnovers. So we didn't get it last year. Rodgers versus Mahomes. Uh, the two most talented quarterback on talent-wise, arguably ever. I mean, Dan Marino has a discussion for that as well. But... Um, and so, thanks to Aaron Rodgers' COVID situation, we're going to see something else that's also incredibly interesting. Jordan Love. I mean, he's like a myth. It's like, we seen him in the preseason. He looked well, but then he got hurt. He played like one good game, and then the second game he was on the field, he gets hurt, disappears again. And then we have, I've never seen a practice clip of him yet. I don't even know what he looks like in his practice jersey. I, I'm pretty sure I've never heard his voice. Um, I mean, he's kind of like, he's, he's a myth. He's just... He's just in the disappearance of the ether of Green Bay. I don't know. It's a miracle. It's a very small town. You think you'd see him more. I never see him. Um, you know, you think you would see him in the media more, just snapshots and pictures. I don't know. I don't even know if he wears regular clothes. I've only ever seen him in the Green Bay on the field. I don't I don't know this kid's life. Um, but we get to see him. We get to see him against a not great defense. We get to see him getting mostly starter reps. Aaron Pop positive for COVID Tuesday or Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You know you're the starter. Um, first time starting a game, a real game since Nevada for him. Um, and we're going to finally get to see what the Packers have to work with. If it's really going to go Hall of Fame quarterback to Hall of Fame quarterback to 
uh, Pro Bowl level quarterback. I won't, I won't say Hall of Fame for anybody early. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Pro Bowl. Or is it going to go Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame? Oh, that's a miss. You know, let's figure something out. And so we're going to get to see. KC's defense, not great. The Packers ran the ball down the Cardinals' throat uh, last week when they just pounded the Cardinals with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. I expect similar uh, from the Packers this week. Really keep the ball to Jordan Love's hands, shorten the game, keep Mahomes off the field. Um, and they're going to want to open Love up a little bit, though, I think, down the field. He's got a big arm. Um, you know, I'm very ready to see how he plays. For the Chiefs, this is one of those blessing games. You know what I'm saying? Certain teams and certain just get lucky. What are the odds that Aaron Rodgers gets COVID right before he plays you? So now instead of playing Aaron Rodgers with a bad defense, you're playing Jordan Love with a bad defense. And you got the game at home. And it's a standalone game. And it's just like, it's perfect. You know, the Packers defense isn't great, especially against the pass. You pass really well. Um, and now Jordan is Jordan Love coming to town and now Aaron Rodgers coming to town. Devontae Adams is back for the, uh, for the Packers, but... It's still, it's Jordan Love and not Aaron Rodgers. So, huge win for the Chiefs. Game they must win. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from it as well. I don't know what I'm getting in Jordan Love. Oddly, if I had to pick it I would, against the spread, I would pick the Packers. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win the game. 27-21. Um, I just don't think the kid can keep up. Or uh, 27-20. I just don't see how Jordan Love keeps up with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they overwhelm at the end. He Maybe he makes a... Uh, Maybe he makes a last-ditch touchdown. Maybe 27-13, he throws a touchdown late. 27-20. But I just, I just don't see how Jordan Love keeps up. He's going to fight valiantly, though. I just I just don't see it. Um, Titans at Rams. This game, I would not pick. It is in Jack's pack. Um, this game is interesting for a multitude of reasons. First of all, it is the first game sans Derrick Henry in Ryan Tannehill's Tennessee life. So he would not have Derrick Henry back there. Uh, the Rams just adding Von Miller. So now, instead of saying, well, worst kind of worst, we just run the ball wherever side Aaron Donald's not on and stay away from Jalen Ramsey. Now you got Von Miller, uh, uh, Brockers, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Donald on the front four. And you've got uh, Jalen Ramsey in the back. It's going to get rough for Tennessee. Uh, but conversely for the Rams, is Von Miller in good shape? He, he's, he's dealing with an ankle situation. Uh, we not think we know he's in shape, but is he ready to go? He's dealing with the ankle situation. Sometimes that Rams defense can be had away from Jalen Ramsey. So maybe A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, you know, one of them gets guarded by Ramsey, but the other one won't be. Um, and so it'll be a very interesting situation there. Um, I, I mean, I guess I won't pick the game, but I think it'll come down to ultimately which quarterback can make the plays better. Um and I think that that would that would lean Stafford in that situation. Um, now Vrabel's gonna have the Titans ready to roll. They picked up Adrian Peterson. Very interesting seeing Adrian Peterson. If he can be a seventy-five percent of what Derrick Henry was, the Titans will be fine. Now Derrick Henry was on pace to break every rushing record there was in a single season. Um, if Adrian Peterson come out and average three and a half, four yards a carry consistently, still make that play action matter in Tennessee's offense, they're going to be fine. If Adrian Peterson comes out and looks his age and looks like an old man, they're in trouble and they've got no shot. Um, so this will be very interesting to watch, keep an eye on there. And then finally, the last game we're going to talk about 
is Pat's Panthers. Also a game in Jack's pack, so I would not pick it until Jack's pack, which is in a few minutes. Um, but this game is important for multitude of reasons. I don't know who's the starting quarterback in Carolina. I ha- I don't recall Sam Donald making it out of concussion protocol, which if he does not, I expect it to be um, P.J. Walker, the XFL star, XFL MVP. Or he was going to be before COVID shut the season down. Um, and he played really well for the XFL. Came in and spots for Carolina, has his ups, has his downs. Um, but he can, he, he can play football. You know, you can tell the talent's there, but he's young. So, you know what they do to young quarterbacks in New England? They torture him. So, Mac Jones, however, is finding his rhythm, but he's going to get a very tough Carolina defense. Carolina's only had one stinker of a game, or one and a half stinkers of a game. Um, the, the Cowboys game defensively was not good for them, and the second half uh, against the Vikings was not good for that defense as well. But other than that, they have played really, really good football. And so, I'm interested to see how Mac Jones handles that, how Josh McDaniels handled that. It's a road game. Um, and so it could get intriguing if the game comes down to, you know, six minutes left, it's, uh, 2017 Patriots, but Panthers have the ball and PJ Walker's been getting through with his legs, which has been possible against Belichick defenses. But up next, we are going to shift to our still successful Jack's pack. We are on a roll along with some other minor news in the betting world. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to jump into Jack's Pack. So, of course, was our NFL betting segment. So, last week, a little bit of cooldown. Went 2-3. and three. Um, After 5-0, and oh, then 4-1, and one, it was bound to come back to the meme eventually. But, you know, 2-3. and three. We're still 22-18 and 18 on the season, um, which is, as I believe, is 55%. Yeah, we're 55% right now. Professional gamblers want to hit 57, 58%. We're at 55. So I like the numbers this week. Don't love them. Uh, a few of them jumped out at me fast. So like my first three numbers came to me fast. Really, my first four. Didn't really love my fifth number. Um, but the minor news in the betting world is that, of course, you guys now live in Baton Rouge, which is in Louisiana. And we have been approved for sports gambling. So now the money I'm giving you guys and the cash I'm giving you guys, I'm going to give it my damn self. Um, and so we're now been approved for sports gambling and casinos, uh, Baton Rouge. We have LaVerge, um, in the Marksville, Alexandria area. They have, uh, the Paragon Casino and then the apps are coming soon. So Caesars, uh, FanDuel, etc., are coming soon. But like I said, the money I'm giving you guys, I'm sick of making you guys money, not making my own. So, you, um, sports betting is legal. So we're going to be making that happen for us on our own personal time, making a few dollars here uh, myself. But let's jump right into this. My favorite number of the week, uh, Patriots at Panthers, Panthers plus three and a half. Take the Patriots, whether it's Sam Donald or it's PJ Walker, how are the Panthers going to score? You still don't have Christian McCaffrey. So if, if it's PJ Walker, he's not going to see, he wouldn't have seen half the stuff, but I'm just going to throw at him. If it's Sam Donald, he would have seen it, but I don't think he can beat it. I love Sam Donald. But without C-Mac threatening the backfield, you pretty much have to drop back and pass because Chuba Hubbard isn't really a big threat to most people. So you're going to pretty much have to drop back and play traditional football. I don't see how that goes well for either quarterback. I think the Patriots win this game by 10 or more. Uh, this is a pretty easy number for me. Definitely my parlay later. 
Um, this is a really easy number for me, in perfect honesty. Uh, Patriots, take the Patriots here, minus three and a half. Easy, easy money from Vegas. Uh, Browns at Bengals. Bengals minus two and a half. Another easy one. Uh, take the Bengals here. Minus two and a half means this game, either Browns have to win it or keep it under two. Or keep it under three. So just think, just think about this rationally. What's a score that you see that would be under three? 31 30. Um, you know, 20s. I mean, there's not many scores that are normal that you would get under three. So, because I mean, losing threes and sevens. So, that being said, take the Bengals here. They went by a field goal, you cover. Um, this is a pretty easy game. Another one I'm throwing in my parlay. I don't know how this wasn't. This felt pretty easy to me. I get, I, yeah, I don't know how this wasn't more, especially with all the Odell news. Now, the number might jump by the time I get to go actually place my bet on it. Um, if it's anything more than three and a half, don't touch it with a 10 foot pole. But two and a half is very easy. Take the Bengals. Bills minus 14 and a half over at the Jets. Take the Bills here. Remember, I asked the question earlier about how the Panthers are going to score? How are the Jazz going to stop, stop the Bills from scoring? Unless they get heat cramps, like the whole team. I don't see the Jazz going more than 17. I don't see the Bills going less than 35. So. Worst case and best case is still 18 points. The spread's 14 and a half. The Bills have the number one scoring offense and the number one scoring defense. The Jags, I believe, are 30th in scoring offense and bottom five in scoring defense. Yeah, take the Bills here. Now, if it's if you if you're at your local place and it's 17 and a half, 18 and a half, start to think about it. I probably wouldn't then, especially if it's a parlay situation. But 14 and a half, it's easy money. Take the Bills. Cardinals at Niners. Uh, Niners minus one and a half. I don't I don't get it. Take the Cardinals. How are the Cardinals not the favorite here? Kyle is a little gimpy. Okay, but he's had an extended week. He's had an extended bye, effectively, because he played on last Thursday. He obviously didn't play Sunday. He's had an extended bye. Um, it was deemed as super precautionary. He was in the boot. Even if they can't, even if, they, even if Kyler's no longer the runaround threat he normally is, if he's just a... 85% of himself, 80% of himself. How are the Niners going to score successfully? And they're the favorite. So Arizona has to win the game. I don't understand this line either. Maybe I'm missing something. Uh, maybe the Vegas expecting the Arizona bottom to fall out. I don't get it. Um, take the Cardinals here. Um, easy money. Cardinals plus one and a half. Take the Cardinals. And Titans at Rams. Rams minus seven and a half. Take the Rams minus seven. My apologies. Take the Rams. Um, as remember, all numbers are provided by ESPN, which I think you see the sports book this week, but take the Rams, um, touchdown in LA, no Derrick Henry. Yeah. Take the Rams. Take take the Rams. Uh, they are not suffering from new money. As I like to call it, they're not suffering from new money syndrome. They went into Houston and rolled them. I expect them to roll Tennessee, uh, with no Derrick Henry. You can pin Von Miller and Aaron Donald ears back, come off the Ryan Tannehill. Jalen Ramsey is going to be on either age of Ronald Julio Jones. The other one will get rolled coverage. I'm, I'm not sure how Tennessee scores more than 20. I'm not sure how the Rams score less than 30. So I've got the Rams here. Easy money. Now that I look about it, this may be a five-team parlay tonight. Um, I thought about doing a three-teamer, but I may end up doing a three and a five. Um, I just It's just one of those things where these numbers are really good. I don't understand them. Now, I, I mean, I may come in next Friday and be 0-5 and be standing at the wall pissed. 
But, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where I have very good faith in definitely three of these. I have really, I, the Cardinals number is confusing to me. Um, but maybe Vegas knows something I don't. I, I doubt it here. I mean, pretty much numbers that jump out at me fast. Like, what is Vegas doing? I end up hitting. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Cardinals number. The Rams number feels a bit low. Rams warning. If that number is over eight and a half, nine, don't touch it with a 30-foot pole. Um, Cardinals, you're good. Unless it swings back. Cardinals minus three. Then they might get a little antsy. But a lot of these numbers, man, you have a little range on. So, um... Uh, just to recap them, Patriots minus three and a half over the Panthers. If it gets to five, five and a half, don't touch it. Uh, Cincy minus two and a half over the Browns. If it gets to three and a half, four, don't touch it. Uh, Bills minus 14 and a half over the Jags. If this gets to 16, 17, stay away. Um, Cardinals plus one and a half over the Niners. Bet it all day long. Uh, Titans or Rams, excuse me, minus seven over the Titans. This gets to eight, eight and a half. Stay away from it. But up next, we are going to talk about the NBA and what's happening there. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about the NBA and just touch on what's happening there and what's going down. So the Warriors and the Bulls have returned back to 90s basketball. Now, of course, they're shooting more threes than they would in the 90s, but both of them have the highest defensive ratings by a team so far in a season. And if they finish with these exact ratings, this would be the highest individual or the best team defensive rating since since the late 90s Bulls. Both of them are playing great defense. The Warriors are even more impressive because you don't even have Klay Thompson on the court yet. And yet the Warriors have only lost one game all season. The Bulls have lost two. Uh, both of them are playing really good basketball. Uh, the Warriors' youth movement is on. Jordan Poole looks really, really good. Um, Gary Payton had a monster uh, poster against the Hornets. Um, you know, Chicago, they've got their three young, younger stars. DeMar DeRozan is the oldest out of their youth out of their star movement, but they've got Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, Nikola Vucevic, um, Alex Caruso. So they've got guys on both teams playing really good basketball right now. And when you look at the Warriors, they're not, they're stuff centric, but they're not 35 points from stuff that we lose. Cause they played against the Hornets, stuff shot poorly and they won the game, which was something that they could not afford to do last season. It shows those young guys who got to play a lot last season are growing up. A lot like Jordan Poole, Gary Payton II, uh, Damian Lee, uh, James Wiseman's on his way back on the mend. And so if you're the Warriors, you're sitting in a good spot because now Clay is full uniform pregame, warming up. Um, you know, he's got to be a month or so away. Remember, they said around Christmas, New Year's, he should get the green light. Yeah, it's, it looks like he's going to be closer than that or earlier than that. And they might not rush him now due to the fact the team is playing so well. And the last thing you want is him to get injured again. And so the fact that he's taking these steps um nailing shots he finished one with a dunk uh before the hornets game so it's gonna be huge to get clay thompson back in the nba and personally i miss him and you see guys like lebron tweeting out man i could watch him shoot the rock all day long uh, it's a beautiful jumper and you miss guys like clay thompson in the nba i there's been no groundswell the Warriors gonna win the title i can't go there just yet because i don't know what you're gonna get from clay and I'm sorry if it came down to Lakers, Warriors, 
the best player on the floor is either is in a Lakers uniform. The second best player on the floor is in a Warriors uniform. The third and fourth best players are both in Lakers uniforms. And honestly, I'd probably pick Carmelo Anthony over Draymond. So I mean, so I mean, you start breaking down the roster, I'd have to go Lakers there. Um, now Andrew Wiggins is playing very, very good basketball. Uh, it would have to be very uh, interesting, um, a very integral part of the Warriors' success. He can't go into the tank, um, similar to what they had when Harrison Barnes was there in the three-one comeback. Harrison Barnes probably the reason they lost three-one comeback. Draymond Green had an effect, yes. But they were, at a certain point, leaving Harrison Barnes in the corners because they had to rotate on Steph, rotate on Clay, Draymond was attacking the rim and doing the rotation passes. At a certain point, they were leaving Harrison Barnes and he weren't knocking down the shots. And so, Andrew Wiggins would probably assume that role uh, once Clay comes back, that corner knocked down, you need to be ready to catch and shoot. He has to keep making shots. He's making shots right now. He's playing aggressively, but he has the ball in his hand a little more. And so, I want to see how he looks when Clay comes back. But that'll be very interesting to keep our eye on. And like I said about the Bulls, um, very fun to watch. Very explosive. Lobs all over the place. Threes all over the place. Um, and then they even got a low post presence with Vucevic. So they are very fun to watch. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are warming up. You know, hell, they're heating up. Kevin Durant is rolling, as always. Uh, he's probably my early candidate for MVP. Um, James Harden, apparently his hamstring is magically fine. Remember, he blamed the hamstring. He wasn't playing well. Uh, said his hamstring was taking time to come back. And now he's playing well, and I haven't heard the hamstring mentioned once. Is the hamstring still bothering you, James? Or did it fix itself overnight? What's going on? I haven't heard the hamstring yet. Don't even, don't even know if he knows he has a hamstring. I haven't heard it once. I'm not going to say he was making an excuse, but he damn sure wasn't giving a reason. So... Harden is heating up, really starting to control the offense. They're starting to put the piece together around Kevin. Kevin's being great. KD's being KD. I got no real analysis for him. I mean, you know what Kevin Durant looks like? You know how he scores? Yep, he's doing that. Um, So, good job on the Nets heating up. And their NBA Finals counterpart, the Lakers. They're not um, doing that as well. Um, They dropped their second straight game to Oklahoma City. Conveniently, the second straight game LeBron missed against Oklahoma City. Um, LeBron has an abdominal strain. He's out for at least a week. Um, reports are that if it was playoff games, he would play. If it was important games late in the season, he would play. But being so early in the season, the Lakers are going to use an abundance of caution to keep him out. And so, it was the Russ and AD show again. And for the second time out of the three games, since that has been the show, they have lost. For the second time out of the three games, they have lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder. For the second time out of the three games, they have blown a massive lead doing it. Um, the first time was in OKC. Uh, the Thunder came back from 26 points down and beat the Lakers by seven or eight. And then this time in LA, from 19 points down, they beat the Lakers by six or seven. I can't remember exactly, but they beat the Lakers again. Russell Westbrook had a turnover fest. Again, this time it was worse because Anthony Davis hurt his hand. He finished the game, but he had a hand wrapped on the entire game. I'm not going to venture and say you have a rust problem. I said it last week, and I felt yeah, I felt bad. I did. After I finished it, I didn't like it. Um, I'm not going to say you have a rust problem. You have a rust issue, though. You have, you have a rust quandary. Quandaries have solutions. I don't know what this one is just yet, but quandaries have solutions. 
Um, whoa. Um, so, well, um, Ben Simmons news. I was going to wait a minute, but Ben Simmons is, has starting to become fined again. He is we they the 76ers per agent Wozanowski. Uh, fine Ben Simmons $360,000 for missing the game on Thursday and plan to resume fining him until he cooperates with team physicians on his mental health issues and fulfills other basketball related activities. So the stalemate has officially restarted with the Sixers and Ben Simmons. Um, now I just, I just need to know. I mean, now at this point we need to know what Ben's going to do. He's going to meet with the team physicians. It, I mean, he kind of has to. He only really showed back up and um, to stop getting fined. Now he's basically gauntlet drawn. So show back up to everything but games and meet with our physicians, or we're gonna continue finding you. Um, so this is, I mean, this is a twist in the story. Um, business in the story. Advantage 76ers. Um, this is what happens when you have four years left. I mean, they can find you. Like, I mean, Daryl Morey said it. This can go on for four years. We have four years left of his contract. And Adam Silver backed the Sixers by saying that's why contracts exist. So, um, wow, big news out of Philly. Um, the fact that the NBA, or the fact that the Sixers, rather, will continue to find Ben Simmons unless he rejoins the team for team-related activities and meet, cooperate with the team physicians um regarding his mental health issues um wow so i mean what if the team physicians deem him okay then what happens dude does he have no leg to stand on i mean this is this is huge this is go a lot of different ways you know like i said the team physicians deem him healthy he may have no leg to stand on to resist playing oh wow um huge i mean this has got something to twist and turns because now if the team physicians say he's healthy but ben's like no i'm mentally not ready how does that look in the mental health community? You've got several guys, including Kevin Love, talk about their mental health all the time. And so if Ben is deemed healthy, but Ben say, I'm not ready, you kind of have to respect that. But I guess that would be, I guess that would be deemed as cooperation. But I don't know. This has a lot of different twists and turns in it. Um, I, I, I didn't see this going well when it was three months ago in this process and now it seems like every move is me is getting met with a harsher and worse counter move uh we're definitely gonna keep our eye on it for sure um very intriguing very interesting situation um in philly with ben simmons and the seven basically in a stalemate now um miles bridges maybe the smartest man in the nba he was offered a four-year 60 million dollar contract or five three sixty million dollar contract by the Charlotte Hornets, he told him hell no, and since then he's doubled his career. His, he's this season he's doubled his career points per game average. His shoot percentage is up. His three point percentage is up. His defense is up. Uh, he's got sneaky all star potential. I mean, he may go from sixty to a hundred, hundred and ten million dollars. Um, so absolutely great job by Miles Bridges not selling himself short. Um, good job, Miles. Uh, way to go. Um, not just accepting the money that's in front of you because it's hard, you know. Scott Hippen talks about it. Um, we're talked about in the last dance, and like he says, what his animosity if Michael Jordan comes, Scotty Pippen. So, when the NBA had back then, there was pretty much you couldn't spend more than you made, it wasn't even really a salary cap. It was if you made 50 million dollars a year, you could spend 50 million dollars in salary, you just couldn't spend more than you made. Um, 
And so many teams didn't have salary caps and there was no traditional contract structures. There was no rookie four year deal. And then the extension, which you owes about this. No, there was none of that. It was you sign what you sign. For instance, Chris Webber with the Golden State Warriors um, or when he got a rookie, his rookie deal was um, 15 years with an opt out after the first year. Like, what in the world? So he ended up making, Chris Webber making a lot of money because he was a really good player, fast, opted out, and then re-signed for a lot more money. He would have made his rookie contract. Uh, Scottie Pippen signed a six-year deal. Now, again, there was no extension rules. So you can resign after the first year, add more money to it, you know? Um, he signed a six-year rookie deal. Then, two years into it, he adds, he signs a four-year um extension for like 17 million dollars he had no foresight about what was going to happen with contracts so uh, he ends up taking his horrible deal and they talk about the last dance he plays most of the last dance on his terrible contract um effectively he was playing eight years for 22 million dollars he was the 122nd ranked paid player on the 98 bulls when I mean, the year in 1998 and he was the second best player on the greatest dynasty in the sport, in the modern sport, in the modern basketball, um, in the modern NBA, rather. And so it was a Travis Steele deal. Jerry Reinstorff told him, don't sign it. Michael Jordan told him, don't sign it. He signed it anyway because, I mean, I understood the situation. So it's hard to stare at that money. Like, Scotty stared at the security and the money in the face and say, especially Scotty, I can't wait another three years or two years or whatever to get a bigger payday. Because the Bulls told them we're not going to renegotiate. And so you see that in the NBA now. Like, once you sign a deal, the team's not going to come back and say, oh, well, you've been out playing this contract. Let's give you more money. You signed it. So Miles Bridges had the foresight and his ability to not sign a bad deal. Um, and he's going to wait. He probably, I mean, I'm, I would be not shocked if he's five years 110, five years 120 um, after all of this, or four years 100 if he goes to the true free agent market after the way he's been playing. Um, shooting around the league has been down shooting percentages around the league has been down that could be contributed to a multitude of things the nba has changed the ball so the last time the ball changed the shot was down for a while and players adjusted well shooting is down and then you add in more physical defense which the nba officials uh committee has come out and said yeah we like where this is going um it's not and they did some kind of metric analytic data testing where they deemed that there was really no more physical contact on the floor under last year's rules and they're under this year's rules it's just you're not getting as many manipulation files under this year's rules as opposed to last year's rules um the shooting percentages are down james harden was struggling trey young struggling dame lillard struggling um you know you you got guys that are struggling with the uh new rule changes one the ball's a little different um and so you got guys used to being able to have freedom of movement how they want. Like you wouldn't get anywhere near James Harden before because he would manipulate him to a foul. Dame was also good at drawing a foul. So you would give Dame a little more space than you would want to because he would pull into a foul. Trey Young was really good at getting those fouls, especially in the floaters lane. He was a little guy going to a floater. How to get those floaters off? Because you wouldn't come from behind him because if he felt you, he would just stop. And you run up his back, he'd float it and one or you know, two free throws. So you'd have to give him the space on the screen for the floater. And if he went under, he'd just step way behind it and shoot it. So a lot of those guys now are having difficulties not being able to just lean on, oh, I'm trapped, let me get this foul. You're trapped now and people's hands are up, you're not getting that foul. So great adjustment by the NBA, even better adjustment by the NBA officials uh, panel coming out and being like, yep, we love 
um, how the game is going. We love how it's officiated. And some of the players have as well. Kyle Kuzma, Draymond Green have uh, openly praised the fact that the game feels like a actual game now. It feels like you can actually play defense again um, because if you know the games aren't. 35 free throws on each team, it's 15, 17 free throws on each team. It's real fouls are being called, not ticky-tack uh, manipulation fouls. Zion Williamson is out another two to three weeks due to his foot injury um, and getting back in basketball shape. What is that for him? I don't know. Um, Shaq and Charles Barkley had a pretty hilarious um, uh, jokes about it when they showed his photo, his, him jogging around the court, Pelicans pregame. Uh, Chuck Charles Barkley said it looked like him and Shaq had a baby. Um, both of them laughed and joked, but then both of them got a little serious, saying he needs to get in shape. Uh, Charles Barkley said, man, uh, what veteran on that team is going to tell him, like, dude, you've got a lot of talent, but if you don't get in shape, you've got no chance. And Charles told a story about how, for him, um, that was Moses Malone. Came to him one day and said, dude, you got talent, but you're fat. And you need to get in shape. And so who's the guy in New Orleans who tells Zion, like, hey, you've got all world face of the league talent, but you're fat. And if you don't get if you don't lose some weight and get into real basketball shape, you're not going to last very long. It's, it's, a, it's a situation where Zion Williamson has the potential to be 39 a night and lead a team possibly to an NBA Finals or Championship. If he's 265 pounds. I think he can do that. 270 pounds even. I think he can do that. 285 was on the upper scale of it because he, you could tell he was a little flabby. Like I said, 270 probably takes some of that body fat off. 300, you can't do it. You cannot do it at 300. Joel Embiid is not even 300, and he's seven foot two, and he's at 300 pounds. So six foot six, six foot six and a half, which was Iron Williamson was, he can't be 300 pounds. Um, so he has to get that under control quickly. I'm a huge Pelican fan. I need him to get it under control. Um, because I have big, I have big dreams for the team. And um, an NBA investigation, lastly, NBA investigation has been opened against Robert Sarver, who's the current owner of the Phoenix Suns, um, for anything bad under the sun, uh, for racist, misogynistic um, comments and actions. Um, it's confirmed that he pants an employee in front of everybody. Uh, the guy's like a 20-something-year-old sales executive, and Sarver pants them in front of everybody at some kind of team event um, or company event, and as a joke, um, Earl Watson has came out and said, in conversation, he's heard Sarver use the N-word. Several other players have backed that up. Uh, Sarver did confirm he has used it before, but he used it as a repeat, not as his own word, because um, he was saying one of his players got a technical for using the n-word and he was so apparently according to sarver he said how come draymond can run around the court saying that saying the n-word um but i have a guy who can't say the n-word and um he was told no you can't say that and sarver says never his vocabulary etc you know the typical um responses but it's so much happening now it's not donald sterling Although I think the same should happen to Sarver if these allegations are true. And according to several people, if the NBA did a real investigation and found out what's been happening, Sarver would be out of there. It would be, be appalling. I mean, even the women are feeling uncomfortable and he makes it feel like he owns you to the point it's like, are you one of mine? You know, do you belong to me or are you one of mine? Kind of thing. You know, comments like that. Um, very sickening stuff. Like I said, some of this stuff is true. It's just mind boggling. I mean, the Lamarcus Aldridge story. Um, or the recruitment of Lamar Aldridge. Lamar Aldridge 
was deciding free agency between San Antonio and Phoenix. That was what he was going to get them down to. Where well, he had his kids were in San Antonio. And our kids were in Texas. And that reportedly was a big thing for him was that he wanted to be close to his children. Um, and Sarver, according to several couple people in the organization, said we need to have strippers get pregnant by players in order for the players to then say, oh, our kids are in Phoenix, so we're going to go to Phoenix in free agency. And that was like the most PG of the stuff that was happening. I mean, it was, like I say, if this is true, this is up there. It, I don't think it's quite Donald Sterling, because Donald Sterling, my God. I don't think it was quite Donald Sterling, but it's definitely up there. And I think if it is true, Sarver should be out um, of the NBA, forced to sell his team. Um, which I mean, he pockets two billion dollars, so billion and a half, two billion dollars. So, what is um, I mean, makes a lot of money, although he loses the status of being an NBA owner, but he'll pocket two billion dollars. So, that Donald Sterling pocketed two billion dollars and disappeared. Starver would do the same. Um, but he should be forced to sell his team and be out of the NBA. The NBA should have no place for a guy like that, and he should be out. But up next, we're gonna talk about the World Series. Welcome back into the show and congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they're somewhere partying like it's 1995 because that is the last time that the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. Um, which they did with a 7-0 destruction of the Houston Astros. Um, and so huge 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 moment for the city of atlanta um several curses broken the atlanta sports curse um that i'm sure many atlanta fans had to start feeling when the astros won game five to get it back to houston i'm sure many fans were going my god not another blown lead um but the braves hung on jorge soler uh finals mv i mean world series mvp my apologies um huge moment for him because he was actually on the royals when he was traded to the Braves by the trade deadline to at that time a Braves team under 500 um and ends up becoming World Series MVP with an absolute moonshot uh he hit it out of the Astros Stadium I believe they found it on the street I'm pretty sure I mean he he, he crushed it uh monster shot uh by Jorge Soler huge huge shot um, and then the, the Braves are just a better team. And the crazy part about it is I would have the Braves as my second favorite team to come next year. Because think about it. They can bring most of their team back. And then you add in a Ronald Acuna Jr. and a couple of their main players that got hurt uh, before they even got to the world. So we even got to the playoffs, really. And started making this big run. A couple of their players, key players, were injured. And so like a Ronald Acuna Jr. So you add them in with the Jorge Soler. And a couple other the main guys they have on the roster now. And you're looking at a very good team uh, with the Atlanta Braves. Now, I would have the Dodgers. Dodgers healthy should be the World Series favorite. Um, and heartbreak again for the Houston Astros. They've been to the World Series three times. They're over. Um, you know, they've five ALCSs. The last five years have been crazy as a franchise. Five ALCSs, three World Series appearances, and they don't have a ring to show for it. Oh, they do have a ring to show for it, actually. Um, 
Yeah, they won the 2017 ring. Many fans counted as a loss because of the trash can scandal. But I'm like, I vague. I remember doing that. I just, I just toured the Astros facility a couple years ago. I, I, I remember that big old painting they had uh, in one of the uh, stairways of the championship celebration. So, yeah, they have one ring. I mean, it could be the dynasty it never was. And even then, it's kind of marred in the cheating scandal. People got fired from all around the league that were connected to it, you know? Alice Cora um, and several others got canned. Alice Cora. Uh, several other people got canned because of this. Um, Dusty Baker ended up getting the Astros job. So, players around the league got suspended, fired, you know, stuff like that. So, it, like I said, it could be the dynasty never was uh, for Houston. They could very well say we should have three rings right now because they were the more talented team than Atlanta and they were the more talented team. Uh, the first time they lost two. So this could be one of those scenes that Dynasty never was. They could, it could have been like the Giants. Well, with Buster Posey, a great career for him. He won a ring every other year. They won 2010, 2012, and 2014, I believe. Um, with, with Madison Bumgarner going crazy on the bump uh, for a couple of those World Series. Buster Posey played well, you know, and the Giants won. That could have been, been the Astros winning every other year. Instead, um, they falter. Uh, like I said, the Dynasty never was. Uh, but very, but big time kudos to Atlanta. The city deserves it. Uh, they've got a good team in Georgia Bulldogs football as well. So maybe the Atlanta curse is breaking. Um, but hell of a uh, World Series, hell of a baseball season. Congratulations to Jorge Soler, um, Freddie Freeman, um, the rest of the Atlanta Braves, um, and the city of Atlanta on winning the World Series. But up next, we're going to talk about the first college football playoff rankings. Welcome back into the show and into Best for Last. We will now talk about the initial college football playoff rankings as done by the committee. Um, still a flawed system. I'm not a huge fan of the committee, and I'm not a fan of it only being four teams. I feel like eight's a good number, although I've heard a hell of a proposal for 12. Um, eight's a good number. First round, higher seed host. Second round, you go into the bowl system like it is now. I've heard a 12-team proposal. That was pretty good, too. The top four seeds get the bye. Um, higher seed host the first two rounds and then you go into the bowl system like it is now um, so that's also a good idea as well again I think eight is the perfect number I feel like eight you get I really feel like the top six can win a championship any year eight is kind of pushing it you get that group of five school in because you know the eight proposal is the power five champions get in the highest ranked group of five champion the highest ranked group of five team and then two at large bids would be the eight uh, if it was 12, it would be the same system. You just add more at-larges in. Um, so that would be, or maybe two group of five schools at that point, and then the rest would be at-large teams. Um, but, yeah, so four is just too small. I know I don't like four. Uh, to me, it feels very BCS protectorate. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of four. But I love eight. I like the 12 proposal I just proposed to, uh, where it's all five, group, all five power five champions are in. Top two group of five, so that's seven, and then the last five is five at large teams. Uh, and then top four is gonna buy, and then higher C hosts the first two rounds with um, 
And then the final four, you go into the bowl system. You play the New Year's Day bowls. Championship game is the second Monday in January, as always. Um, but speaking of the rankings, the rankings were as followed. Georgia 1, Alabama 2, um, Michigan State 3, following their big win against Michigan. Oregon 4, with Ohio State being 5, and unbeaten group of 5 uh, team Cincinnati being six. Now, of course, you had your college football peers. Well, Cincinnati's undefeated in Michigan. And then you had your your coastal elitists, as I'm going to call them. Finally, Oregon gets some respect. Finally, the Pac-12 gets some respect. because They have a loss to Stanford, but they're in the number four. Um, you have your Southern people, like myself. The SEC still king. We do, you have earned the right to lose a game in front of 100,000 people at Kyle Field against Texas A&M by three points on a field goal. You earned that right. And then, you know, but you, you have your Midwesterners saying, well, damn, what about us? I lost to the number four team in the country, and their number four team in the country lost to an unranked Stanford. Um, why are we in? So it's gonna, it's gonna all come out in the wash. I mean, that's that's the beauty in this system. It, it's gonna come out in the wash eventually. Cincinnati runs the table. They're praying for a Georgia victory. They're Georgia's. Think about it. The Big Ten have to play each other. Ohio State and Michigan State both would not make it. If one of them loses, they're out. Cincinnati's undefeated. They if everybody holds serve, Cincinnati's undefeated. They sit at five. I mean, they can't get in. Ohio State and Michigan State have to play. More than likely. One of the, if Ohio State loses again, they're gone. Michigan State loses, I think, to Ohio State, especially convincingly, they're out. Oregon has to make it through the conference. Georgia and Bama play. So Georgia beats Bama. Bama's gone. Bama beats Georgia. Both are in, in my opinion. Especially if it's close, both are in. So that would take two of your spots. I think Oregon gets out of the Pac-12 unscathed the rest of the way. So they're in. That's three spots. So that leaves Ohio State. Michigan State and Cincinnati fighting for the fourth spot. It would just get interesting. It would get interesting because I, I think Cincinnati beat our team out um, because they would have the least claim to it. Because if Michigan State beats Ohio State, they're in. They'd be undefeated Big 12 champion. They're in. If Ohio State beats Michigan State, especially close, Michigan State say, hell, our only loss we have, we just put Ohio State in because they went head to head and beat them. So Cincinnati would need Ohio State to lose another game and then turn around and beat Michigan in the conference championship game. Michigan State in the conference championship game for Cincinnati to get in. Or Georgia beats Bama, clears that spot out as well. But I have to say that I currently agree with the rankings. I wouldn't have had Bama at two. They'd be in my top four. But I wouldn't have had them at two. Um, I would have Cincinnati probably in instead of Oregon. That loss to Stanford is a bad loss. I get it was on the road. I get it was in overtime. But that is a bad loss to a not good Stanford team. So I would have had um, I would have had Cincinnati in at four instead of Oregon in at four. Um, but other than that, that would probably be my rankings uh, right now. So definitely tell me what you guys think along with the rest of the show, along with the topics. Reach out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, we're all over those four social medias. Not on Snapchat. Um Probably won't be on Snapchat. It's not really a thing conducive for us this time. But uh, definitely check that out. My social media is, like I said, at JTown Sports. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok. And do not forget to like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. But this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out. <laughs>